Welcome to Music History Monday for April 26th, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title of today's podcast is Tchaikovsky in America. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash Robert Greenberg Music, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the arrival in New York City on April 26, 1891, 130 years ago today, of Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky. He had come to America to conduct his own music and to help inaugurate Carnegie Hall on May 5, 1891, by conducting his own Coronation Festival Overture. Tchaikovsky at 50. Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky was born on May 7, 1840, in the Russian town of Votkinsk, roughly 630 miles east of Moscow. He might have started his life in the sticks, but he didn't stay there, and by the age of 50, in 1890, he was one of the most beloved composers in the world and a Russian national hero. Photographs taken at the time depict a balding, gray-haired, and bearded man seemingly well-advanced of 50 years, though in this, appearances can be deceiving. At the age of 50, Tchaikovsky was at the very top of his musical game and at the apogee of his fame. A single anecdote will suffice for his stature among contemporary Russian artists. During the winter of 1889, Tchaikovsky met a young medical student turned writer at his brother Modest's house named Anton Chekhov, 1860 to 1904. At the time of their meeting, Tchaikovsky expressed admiration for Chekhov's work. Chekhov was dazzled by the compliment and responded with the following letter, quote, This month, I am going to be publishing a small collection of my stories. They are as tedious and boring as the autumn, and their tone is monotonous. But none of this inhibits me from being audacious enough to approach you with a very humble request. Permit me to dedicate this little collection to you. I very much hope to receive a favorable reply, first, because this dedication would give me enormous pleasure, and secondly, because it will, to some small extent, express the deep respect which moves me to think of you every day." Unquote. Tchaikovsky was delighted to receive the dedication. Chekhov sent Tchaikovsky a copy of his book entitled Gloomy People, with the following inscription, quote, to Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky from his future librettist, Anton Chekhov, October 26th, 1889, unquote. Oh, sadly, that particular working relationship never came to pass. Chekhov was speaking perhaps for all of Russia when he wrote Modesque Tchaikovsky of his admiration for his brother Pyotr. Quote, I revere him so much that I would personally stand guard night and day at the porch of his house. To me, 
He occupies in Russian art the second place after Tolstoy, who has long monopolized the first. I award myself the 98th, unquote. The Price of Fame For Tchaikovsky, the price of fame was high. He was a tightly strung, shy, supremely oversensitive man who hated being among strangers, someone given to depression and severe homesickness when he traveled. But his fame and the huge fees he was offered demanded that he travel and conduct his music abroad in concert halls filled with strangers. Tchaikovsky had a strange relationship with conducting. As a student at the brand new Moscow Conservatory in the 1860s, he excelled in everything except conducting. To his classmate, Hermann Laroche, Tchaikovsky confided in all seriousness that his nervousness while conducting stemmed from a fear that his head was about to fall off. Laroche later described how Tchaikovsky, while conducting, would hold tightly onto his chin with his left hand while conducting with his right, presumably to keep his head in place. In Laroche's own words, quote, he could not rid himself of this phobia for years, unquote. Here's just one of many such Tchaikovsky conducting stories. In 1868, at the age of 28, Tchaikovsky conducted his own Dances of the Hay Maidens. According to his friend and eyewitness, Nikolay Kashkin, Tchaikovsky, as usual, was obliged to hold his head in place with his left hand while conducting with his right. Quote, I could see from the moment Pyotr Ilyich appeared he was a nervous wreck. He walked on between the orchestra's desks, hunched up, as if he didn't want anyone to see him. When he finally made it to the podium, he looked like a man who would rather be anywhere else. He forgot every note of his piece, was blind to the notes in his own score, and failed to give the players their cues at all the most crucial moments. Luckily, the orchestra knew the piece so well that they took no notice of their inept conductor and all his incorrect instructions. They performed the piece perfectly well, occasionally looking up at the composer with big grins on their faces." Unquote. So why, two decades later, did Tchaikovsky pick up his baton and embark on a career conducting his music across Europe and North America? First, almost all the major composers of the mid and late 19th century conducted their own works. In those days before recordings, such composers as Robert Schumann, Felix Mendelssohn, Hector Berlioz, Richard Wagner, Johannes Brahms, Richard Strauss, Gustav Mahler, to mention but a few, could proselytize for their own music by conducting it. Their presence on the podium also went a long way towards ensuring an accurate performance. These composer-conductors also earned hefty fees, after all. They were paid as both composers and performers, and they were considered as being much more glamorous than mere composers, the alpha musicians of the concert world. Quite understandably, Tchaikovsky wanted a piece of this action. So in January of 1887, 
the 47-year-old Tchaikovsky swallowed his fear and conducted the premiere of his opera, Cherevichki, the Enchantress. His head fell off. Just joking. Both the opera and its performance were a triumph, and Tchaikovsky had, just like that, begun a new and extremely profitable career as conductor of his own music. Quickly, the word spread across Europe and North America that Tchaikovsky was available to conduct his own works, and in no time flat, Tchaikovsky the conductor was in demand everywhere. The same Nikolai Kashkin, who so well described Tchaikovsky's disastrous conducting in 1868, now observed with pleasure Tchaikovsky's newfound abilities as a conductor. Quote, he has all the essential attributes for conducting an orchestra. Total self-control, extreme clarity and definition in his beat. His direction of the orchestra is distinctive for its utter simplicity. If he has few of the conductor's virtuoso gestures, he has instead a quality which cannot be learned, that inner fire, that animation, which communicate themselves to the players and which irresistibly impress the audience with the integrity and inspiration of the performance." Unquote. What a difference 20 years makes. And so it was that as a conductor of his own music, Tchaikovsky agreed to help inaugurate a brand new concert hall in New York City located at West 57th Street and 7th Avenue, financed by the steel magnate Andrew Carnegie, 1835 to 1911. Originally called Music Hall, it was renamed Carnegie Hall several years later. The United States. On April 17, 1891, Tchaikovsky boarded the steamship Le Bretagne at Le Havre and set off for New York and a long-anticipated American tour. According to Tchaikovsky's diary entries, the 10-day crossing was miserable. He suffered from a serious bout of homesickness, which brought on a depressive episode. A passenger committed suicide by jumping overboard. Since Tchaikovsky was the only German-speaking passenger to be found, he was called upon to read the suicide note. Quote, I am innocent. That man knows." Unquote. Tchaikovsky's wallet was stolen from his cabin along with 400 francs in gold, and the weather was terrible. Tchaikovsky, who believed that he was immune from seasickness, discovered rather to his dismay he was not immune after all. That experience, Tchaikovsky wrote, was like, quote, hell itself nastier and more upsetting than anything I have ever known." Unquote. But the worst for Tchaikovsky was being recognized and thus constantly surrounded by inquisitive strangers. He wrote in his diary, quote, Now there is nowhere I can take a peaceful solitary stroll. Wherever I go I am shadowed by people who want to talk to me. Then they pester me to play. I decline, of course, but it can only be a matter of time before I have to shut them up with a recital on the ship's dreadful piano. Now my one thought is, 
when will this be over? Unquote. It might have appeared to be over on April 26, 1891, 130 years ago today, when Tchaikovsky arrived in New York. Although, in fact, Tchaikovsky had merely traded one mob of inquisitive slash intrusive strangers for another. He was greeted by a crowd and with great fanfare on Dockside. He did his level best to be sociable. He did. But the little voice inside his head was screaming to be left alone. His diary entry, written that very evening, 130 years ago today, is wonderful and most revealing. Here it is in part. Quote, they, the welcome committee, quickly helped me to fulfill all the formalities of the customs, seated me in the carriage, and drove me to the Hotel Normandy. On the way, I carried on an unbelievably amiable and an incredibly animated conversation, as though I were pleased with all that was happening with my companions. But in my soul there was despair and a desire to flee from them to the world's end. However, to tell the truth, all these dear people gave me a most cordial reception. Tchaikovsky continues. At the hotel, an extremely comfortable apartment with toilet and bath was awaiting me in which, after the departure of the welcomers, I made myself at home. First of all, I wept rather long, then took a bath, changed, and went downstairs to the restaurant. The French waiter entrusted with serving me was very gentle, which cheered me immensely. I dined without any enjoyment at all, went out on the street, it's the main one, Broadway, and wandered quite a long way on it. As it was Sunday, the street was not especially lively. A strange street. One and two-story houses alternate with nine-story structures. Highly original. I was surprised by the number of Negro faces. Returning home, took to whimpering again several times. Slept excellently. Unquote. Despite all Tchaikovsky's weeping and whimpering, the American tour was a smash for everyone involved. Tchaikovsky was received and reviewed in the press like a visiting god. He wrote home to his nephew, Vladimir Davidov, who went by the magnificent nickname of Bob. Quote, I am petted, honored, and entertained here in every way possible. It turns out that in America, I am ten times more renowned than in Europe. At first, when people told me this, I thought it was an exaggeration. But now I see that it is the truth. Here, I am a big shot. Isn't that curious? Unquote. Tchaikovsky paid his American hosts the ultimate compliment by comparing American hospitality to Russian hospitality. Quote, Amazing people, these Americans, compared with Paris, where at every approach, in every stranger's kindness, one feels an attempt at exploitation. The frankness, sincerity, and generosity of this city, its hospitality without hidden motives, and its eagerness to oblige and win approval are simply astonishing, and at the same time, touching." Unquote. 
Not all of Tchaikovsky's American experiences were entirely positive. For example, in a diary entry made on Sunday, May 10th, while he was still in New York City, Tchaikovsky revealed his unhappiness with New York's blue law, meaning the prohibition of certain activities on Sundays. Quote, On account of it being Sunday, all the cafes were closed inasmuch as they are the only places where one, one may buy cigarettes, and two, satisfy nature's little need, uh, by this we presume Tchaikovsky is referring to public restrooms, and I being in extreme in want of them one and the other, one can then imagine how great were my sufferings until at last I reached home. These remnants of English Puritanism shown by such absurd trifles as, for example, the impossibility of obtaining a drink of whiskey or a glass of beer on Sundays makes me very indignant. It is said that the legislators who made this law in New York State are themselves awful drunkards." During his stay in the United States, Tchaikovsky visited New York, Boston, Niagara Falls, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C. Excepting Niagara Falls, all locations in which he either conducted his music or heard it performed, sometimes well, sometimes miserably, by others. Most notably, though, he participated in the ceremonies surrounding the dedication and opening of New York's Carnegie Hall, which will be the focal point of tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post. For now, a general appraisal of Tchaikovsky's American adventure by his biographer, David Brown. Quote, Despite all the longings for home that had periodically punctuated his tour, the three and a half weeks in America were a personal triumph for Tchaikovsky. Exciting, heartwarming, and the strongest evidence yet of just how universal and enthusiastic was the love of his music. Unquote. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.